Daniel, Pastor Daniel, thank you so much for introducing me and, and allowing me this opportunity to share uh, my first sermon to such a great group of people. So a little bit about me is I came on staff here several months ago to help out with the administration in the back of the, uh, in the back offices there, to step in, to help out, to, because this church is, if you don't know, this church is growing and growing rapidly. So, yeah, praise God, right? Praise God. So we have, been, we have seen some great successes in the back. We've seen some uh, new websites. We've seen the uh, QR codes in the back of your chair, the, the squares you saw in the, at the... Um, the credit card reader at the gathering well, and just some other great things happening through the ministries and being able to help out different ministries along the way. So God has been so, so good to this church, to myself, and to my family. So as uh, Daniel introduced, my, uh, my wife, Angela, we have four kids uh, and one really cool son-in-law. So we, it's a new experience for us. They've been married about two years about two years now, so time seems to fly by. So um, Angela and I have been married for 24 years now, and yeah, right? So, uh, which means Angela is starting to perfect what forgiveness is. So she has been absolutely forgiving me for all 24 of those years. So if anyone needs lessons on forgiveness, Go see her. She can definitely help you out with that. Um, so several years ago, I can remember having a conversation with your pastor about the old Eschler building on Highway 65. And I remember walking into this place the first time before anything had been done to it. I remember walking around thinking, uh, wow, <laughs> this is... Uh, this is going to be the new home of the Church of Living Water. I said, okay, right? And I said, okay, um, well, you love the work. You know, you obviously have a vision from God, and you knew, uh, back then he knew what God was doing at that time. So what, you know, with that vision... Your pastor has always been that person. He's been that, that man of God who calls out that beauty, right, in the broken. We can see this building and what it is now. And look how beautiful it is now. It's not finished, right? It's a work in progress. We look on the outside as we drive in, and you can just see the gospel written all over this building. You can see it as you drive by. The outside needs a little TLC, but then you get inside, and look how beautiful it is. Look what's happening inside of this church, inside of this building. And the same thing for probably some of you, at least some of you in this room. I know myself. He saw when I was broken. He saw me when I was living for the world. He saw me when I was not following God. But he never gave up, continued praying for me, and he knew, he absolutely knew what could happen if I just surrendered my life to God. And, and when I finally gave in and did that, he's one of the first ones that came running, excited. You know, oh, we can use you, and I got some men's groups, and 
let's try a men's conference, and all these great things started happening, and as most of you men that have come to those, do what? Oh, as, as, yeah, right? It sounds just like him. So uh, your pastor just has that gift, right? He has that gift for seeing the beauty and the broken. You, again, your pastor saw the potential in this old building, saw the potential in me, and like most of you, he has seen the potential in some of your broken lives and, and has helped guide you through, through that. So we want to thank you, Pastor Daniel, for all these opportunities. I want to thank him. Yes. I want to thank him for the opportunity of being here today to do this. So, again, the Church of Living Water in this building, uh, it's a building of potential, right? It's a building of growth. It's a building of, it's a home for a lot of you. Um, and you can look around and see what God's people has done, right? With your, with your hard work, with your faithfulness, with your giving, your tithing, your sweat. You literally wrote scriptures on the two-by-fours and two-by-twelves and the framing of this building. Your faithfulness has brought this building up, and God has been blessing you for this. But let me tell you, this is just the beginning. This is just the beginning of what, this, of what God's going to do in this church. You see, God is always, always, always moving. It's up to us to move in with him and start moving at the pace in the direction that he's running at, that he's moving at. So, but this church, praise God, this church has so many people already on that path, already moving with God. Look at the ministries just that are happening around this church. You have everything from, as you walk in the door, you see the gathering well. You got Roll-On Ministry, Bumpy Roads, Ann's House. Veterans on a Mission, Celebrate Recovery, your daily tidbits with your pastor, Sunday evenings with Pastor Daryl, Pastor Paul does Tuesday evenings. You have members going to local jailhouses. You have members going out and doing worship music all over Missouri. Your youth ministry, your men's ministry, and your women's ministries in constant growth. Your elders and your pastors are strong surrendered, faithful men of God. This church is making an impact on the kingdom because this church is alive and moving and filled with the Holy Spirit. I, I am so blessed to be a part of this church, to help this church out in any way that I can. I've been blessed because of that. So trust me when I say I am completely humbled and blessed to be here right now giving any type of message, delivering anything from God to anybody. So when I was asked by your pastor several, several weeks ago, excuse me, several weeks ago to deliver the message, uh, Sunday morning message, I... Uh, didn't know quite what to think, um, a little nervous about it, and I've really been praying about this and seeking direction and what did God want me to talk about today. And during this time, I was preparing for 
my summer men's ministry, men's group that I lead back down in Texas, and I was preparing for something there, reading through some books and, and getting that ready, so I was praying, God, is this, the, is this the same direction you want me to head for this Sunday service? And so just praying through that, feeling the Holy Spirit pushing me on this topic. So today, what I want to talk to you about is a topic of hope, restoration, and how that links and leads to salvation and how you have to have salvation to even have hope and restoration. So the topic today is on hope and restoration. And to understand this topic, to understand what is ultimate hope, what there's so many layers of hope and what that looks like, we need to start with what's the current climate of the world. I know we can easily say the world's a mess, right? We can turn the news on, we can go to social media, we can easily say the world's a mess. We know life can be brutal, and if we allow life, that, brutal, that, that, that mess and how brutal life is, if we allow it, if we allow those pressures, that will consume us, and it will consume our identity of who we are. So just the other night, two nights ago, matter of fact, Angela and I were talking, we were sitting outside with everybody, and we were discussing just some tragedies that have happened around us in our, in, back home, of course, in Texas and things like that. And we were talking about, you know, we were talking about these things. We go into the bedroom, and I just said, you know, I've been praying for God to renew my heart because it seems that we're real desensitized right now to a lot of this stuff. So all the shootings, people being raped and killed, just a lot of this grossness, this mess around us, we've really just calloused our heart around it. And when we hear these things, we really, you know, well, that's, that's too bad, you know, it's sad, and move on with our lives, you know. So I've really been praying a lot for myself lately to just kind of renew my heart during this time. Renew, just, just renew me right now, Lord. Um, so, so with the brutality and things that are going on in the world, if you look at the world itself, again, we know it's a mess, right? We have rising interest rates. We have gas prices, which are affecting everybody around the world. We have epidemics. We just came out of one. We have wars going on. We have mass genocide. We have homelessness, starvation. This year alone... Nine million people will die from hunger in the world. Just in the next 12 months, nine million people are going to die from starvation. Unemployment is rising. You can't really trust the news anymore, right? We can't trust what we read and what we see on the paper. There are many, many, many more areas that we could go into, but you, we can all agree that the world is a mess. But even more importantly, what is this mess of the world doing to our hearts to, as followers and as believers? Where are we as Christians in this world with this mess and everything going on? How are we living through this? How are we being affected by this? What is our heart telling us right now? A good example of this, and, I, and we'll talk real briefly, I'm not going to get into the specifics and details on, on why it happened or anything like that, but less than two weeks ago, 
there was a school shooting in Texas, and everybody's heard about it, knows about it. 19 children, fourth graders in one classroom, shot and killed, two teachers shot and killed. We understand, tragic, tragic event. All that happened in 79 minutes. A whole community changed. A whole, life's changed, community changed. It will never be the same again. Absolutely horrific, evil, demonic act of Satan happened in this town. And if you went to social media while the news was coming out, you did see the first reaction of a lot of Christians were, you know, we're, gonna, we're praying, we're praying, lift up this town in prayer, lift up the school in prayer. But within an hour, within 60 minutes of this news coming out, we saw the agenda start coming out. We start seeing both sides, this isn't just one side, both sides bringing their agenda out. We start seeing the praying for this and the praying for that go away, and we start seeing my political point of view or your political point of view. We started seeing all this stuff happen, and a lot of it was coming from the Christian community. So. When we see tragedy, again, this goes back to where is our heart? Is it calloused? Is it open? Are we really understanding what's happening in our towns and in our communities? The World Health Organization reports this year, this is the report from this year, in the last 45 years, the suicide rates have increased 60% worldwide. Suicide is now the top three in the top three leading causes of death among 15 to 44-year-old male and females. Suicide attempts are up 20% more frequent than, uh, than completed suicides. And what's even worse about this is suicide rates have traditionally been the highest among elderly males, but what's happening right now in our world today is that Young people, ages 20 and under, have the highest risk, highest risk of uh, increasing this, sorry, uh, highest risk of completing suicide. So the risk of 20-year-old and under is rising above everything else when it comes to suicide. Depression affects one in 15 adults today in the United States, one in six, I'm sorry, in the world, one in six people will experience depression sometime in their lifetime. Unemployment's up, divorce rates are at all-time high. We are in the first generation uh, of people that are, we're raising right now that really don't care about getting married. We're seeing marriage rates drop because they're seeing their parents and their grandparents getting divorced at such a high rate. We've taken God out of the world, we've taken God out of schools, and most importantly, our daily conversations. When, how often do you go throughout the day at your job or workplace and have any kind of conversation about God, any kind of conversation about your salvation or the gospel? So what is this doing to the heart of the individual? When we look at, when we look at hope and we look at restoration, we have to start with where are we right now? See, we get into that mode of our head is down, take care of myself, just make it through another day. Some of us are beat up. Some of us are tired of this world around us. We're just sick and tired of it, right? 
And again, the world is a mess. And we can, we can live in this world. We can be a part of this world. We can let it beat us down. Or we can heed the words of James. James chapter 4, verse 4 says, You adulterers, you, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy makes you an enemy of God. I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. All of these things that are happening around us, all these pressures in the world, interest rates, unemployment, suicide rates, depression, we're losing our young people, more and more people are leaving the church and more and more people aren't even going to church in this next generation. We're seeing all of this pressure. We're seeing it because we're becoming more and more like the world. We're not listening to the Word of God. We're not reading. We're not worshiping. We're not doing the things that we should be doing. So I looked up, when I was preparing for this, I was looking up not of the world in my online commentary, uh, concordance, and it came back with over a hundred results in the Bible of not in of the world, not living of the world, not being in the world. Over a hundred different results, something connected to that. So obviously, God was onto something here about us not about Him not wanting us to be in the world or of the world. So what if? So what if instead of living in the pressures of this world? letting those things get out of control, you know, letting the world control our thoughts, our actions, our priorities, our future, we shift our focus back to God's Word. We shift our focus back and we take a stand and we live in this ultimate hope, this ultimate hope of God's promises for our future, for, for our promises for eternity. When was the last time we even thought about eternity? where we're going next. What's the, what's the next stage in this life? What's the next stage in this following God, being a Christian, doing the right thing? What's, what's after this? And I think by us not studying and reading and looking into that ultimate hope of where we're going, I think we're missing out on a lot of joy. We're missing out on letting this world put that pressure down on us. And as an illustration, I saw this a long time ago, and I thought, if I ever, if I ever get to do a sermon on, on anything with eternity or hope, I'm going to do this. So um, what I want you to do is uh, imagine this rope right here. So imagine this rope to my left is everything that has happened in eternity. From the beginning of time, you could follow this rope and there's no end, right? God never was, right? So it's, you, you cannot find the end of this rope. And the same thing for what's coming. It's eternity. It's always going to be, it's, it's going to happen whether you like it or not, right? Eternity, we're going to die, we're going to pass on, and there's an eternal life, right? So what we're doing right now living in this life is represented by this little red spot. So all the things that you are stressed and worried about, all those things you are pursuing that are not for the kingdom, 
or of the kingdom are represented in that small section of red right there when it comes to eternity for the afterlife. We worry so much about what is going to happen or we worry so much about what's going to happen right now in our lives that we forget, man, God's got so much great for us. There's so much hope out there. If we can live in that ultimate hope of knowing of where we're going, it really puts a lot of things into place and perspective for us, right? So, so to hope, so today, again, we are going to get the hope, I promise. Um, to hope, restoration, and salvation, what I want you to do is I'm going to read Romans chapter 8, 18 through 25. That's the main scripture for today. Romans chapter 8, 18 through 25. And as I read this, as I read this, I want you to think about what pressures the world is pushing down on you. Is it health? Is it financial? What to do with my life if you're younger or if you're you know, older and you're looking for what's next in life for you, your marriage, kids, obeying God. Sometimes obeying God could be a pressure because that means, man, I got to step outside this world and I got to obey God and that's, people aren't going to understand these decisions I'm making. That's a real pressure. So that can be a pressure. Going against the world in anything you do can be a real, real pressure for you a death in the family, a loss. What pressures are you under right now? So think of your pressure as I read this. And we'll go slow through this. So uh, like I said, eight, uh, Romans 8, 18 through 25. So it starts out with 18. Yet what we suffer now, what we're suffering now, is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. So what we suffer now, what we're going through now, is nothing compared, right? What we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that we're going to receive in that, in that next stage, in that beautiful restoration of life and restoration of the world. For all creation is waiting eagerly for, for that future day when God reveals who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subject to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. <laughs> How great is that going to be? For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. We can see that all creation, all creation, the earth, the plants, the animals, creation, all he has created, right, is groaning, groaning. And we as believers also groan, even though, what has he given us, right? Even though he has given us the Holy Spirit, within us as a foretaste of the future of glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering, right? We want to get rid of this sin suit, right? This gross, disgusting sin suit, and we want to see that new restored 
body that God's going to give us. So we're excited and should be excited by that. So again, we too wait with eager hope for the day when God gives us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. We were given this hope when we were saved, which would mean you don't have this hope if you're not saved. You are hopeless. You do not have this hope. So we were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't have, we don't have yet, we must wait patiently and confidently. And that's the hope, right? The confidence. So God is so good in that. When was the last time you took your pressures and compared them to God's eternal promises? He's an eternal hope. We can get caught up so quick in those pressures and the stresses and give in to them and give in to this world and not release them over to God. It's so easy to do. Revelation 21.4 says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death, right? No more death or sorrow or crying again. All of these things are gone forever. So please understand, I am not trying to minimize the pressures you're under. It's, that's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to get you to do is take those pressures and put them in the right bucket. Put them under truth. Put them under God's lens and put them under truth, under the hope and restoration where they can be eternal, where you can be eternally focused on those things. Don't live in your pressures. So many of us get caught up in those pressures. Satan knows, the world knows what your pressures are, what buttons you have that's going to stop you going to stop you from completing God's calling on your life. See, once you're saved, we know you're not leaving God's grip, right? We know that. And so does the devil. But what he can do to you, and does to so many people, he adds pressure onto your life. He adds stress onto your life. He starts getting into those buttons that you have. And he stops you from moving forward in your calling. You get complacent right where you're at. So he knows he's lost you, right? He knows he's lost you, but he sure is going to make sure that you do not do anything else for the kingdom. So there's a second attack there that you have to be ready for. So give those pressures and stresses over to God. Let him have them. Let him have him and look at him through the lens of eternity. Let, look at him through the lens of ultimate, ultimate hope. So what is this ultimate hope, right? What does that mean? What does ultimate hope mean? There's so many types of hope, right? We have casual hope. For my family, our casual hope is I hope the Green Bay Packers win the Super Bowl, right? Not so many in this room, I guess. So... Um, <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just kidding. So, casual, precious hopes. Yeah, precious hopes are going to be I hope I get that job. 
Those, these, are, these are all good things. There's nothing bad about that. I hope I get that job. I hope I get a raise. I hope I don't get COVID. You know, these are hopes that you don't know the end of. You, you don't know if that's going to happen. But you, you really earnestly hope that. You hope that I make that part in a play. You hope that I make the team. You hope that, you know, I get a raise. All those things, those are precious, those are precious hopes. But ultimate hope, Ultimate hope is living in expectation. You already know what's going to happen. You're living in expectation. We should be able to have ultimate hope and look at our pressures and live in joy in the middle of that storm because we already know the end. We already know what's going to happen to our bodies and our soul, and we know what's going to happen for eternity. We know where we're headed. That doesn't mean it's not going to be hard to get there, but we can release that and still live in that joy. And that joy, again, joy isn't doing backflips down Main Street. Joy is just living in constant love for God. It's that I know he's got control over this. I can live in that joy of knowing nothing's going to, unless I let it, nothing can affect me. That's joy. So ultimate hope, another way of putting it, let's go back to football. Another way of putting it is you get out of church during the football season. You got the game recorded at home, right? You're checking on your way to the car. You got a whole party set up. Everyone's coming over. But you sneak a peek at the score, right? And you see it's overtime. But you see your team won in overtime. But you get home. Nobody else knows, and now the whole party's watching the game. And they're going through the stress and the pressures and the, the fumbles and the interceptions, and they're watching this thing as it was live. They don't know the end, but what are you doing? You already know your team won. You're, you're sitting in the recliner, feet up, relaxing. Oh, we got this, acting like you, you know, you're cool. Cause that's ultimate hope. You already know the end. And everyone else around you's running around like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? You know, bad call, bad penalty, throwing something at the screen. You know, everyone's getting upset, right? But you've already checked that score out, so you already know what's going to happen. So that's another way of putting what is ultimate hope. Man, God's already shown, God's words already shown us the end, right? So as we walk through life, so as we walk through life as a surrendered believer, we will lose battles. We're absolutely going to lose battles along the way. This isn't going to be easy. We're going to lose battles. The world is absolutely going, going to attack you. You're going to lose jobs. You're going to have illnesses. You're going to have depression around you. You're going to have marriage problems. You're going to get in an argument with your spouse. I promise. <laughs> there will still be wars. There's going to be shootings. And on and on and on. But if we hang on to this ultimate hope, if we hang on to this ultimate hope, we can put perspective to all of this stuff. We can put all those stresses where they should be. And we can put God first in our life. And it, let him 
take that away. Let him take those pressures away. There are some of you today that need to renew your heart and renew your heart for hope. You've lost hope. You've lost it. Some of you have lost that hope, and you just want to get that hope back. Before I get done today, after I get done today, whatever, pray. Tell God, I'm sorry. I want this hope back again. There are some of you that are living in that hope. You, you have it. You, that stake's in the ground. I'm standing next to this hope. I'm living in this hope every day. But you, you're losing some battles along the way. There's a couple battles that you've lost. That's what this church family is for, right? It's to come next to each other. It's to pray with you. It's to walk next to you. Let those people know, those loved ones in your life that you know that can do that for you. Be with them. Be that accountability person with them. And then there's some of you in this room that you don't have any hope because you don't have salvation. By the time we get done today, if, you're one of, if you do not have salvation, I pray that today's your day, that you come forward today and accept Christ. And you don't have to come forward. You can do it right there in your seat. Just let us know, right? This is your relationship with God. This is your walk with God, right? So we understand what ultimate hope is now. We know the ending. We get it. God's shown us the ending. And we get to walk in this freedom and this joy of knowing the ending that takes so much pressure off. Things will happen. Life's going to happen. Battles are going to happen. But man, we get to know, we know the ending. It's so much easier, right? So, but what's this restoration? What's this restoration look like? As a follower of God, as a surrendered person of God, the restoration part should be the most exciting, freeing, uplifting understanding of all of God's word. What is restoration? Simply, God is going to make all things new. When we leave this world, God is going to make all things new. Revelation 21, 5 through 7. And as the one says, and, and the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, Write this down. For what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will freely give from the springs of water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings. And, and I will be their God and they will be my children. God is saying in Revelation right here, I am making everything New. Second Peter 3.13 But we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth. He has promised a world filled with God's righteousness. And if you want to look at a glimpse into what heaven's going to be like, this, this new world that he's going to make, he's going to restore this world. We're getting a new world, right? New earth. Isaiah 65 Go to Isaiah 65 and read through Isaiah 65. Read through the scary book of Revelation, right? And you're going to see some glimpses of what God's giving us. 
And Isaiah 65, 17 through 25, we won't read all of it, but let me run through this. It starts with, look, I am creating new heavens and a new earth, and no one will even think about the old ones anymore. Be glad, rejoice in my creation, and look, I will create Jerusalem as a place of happiness. Her people will be a source of joy. Scroll down a little bit to the end of 19. It says, the sound of weeping and crying will be heard no more. We've heard that already today. The sound of weeping and crying will be heard no more. Verse 21 says, in those days people will live in houses they build, and they will eat from the fruit of their own vineyards. I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but you're building a house. And you're going to be working vineyards. We got jobs to do when we get to the new world, new earth that he, is re, that he is making for us. 25 says, the wolf and the lamb will feed together. The lion will eat like a cow, will eat with a cow, right? So they are not eating each other. They're not predators anymore. There are so many good things in God's word, especially in Isaiah. It gives us visual pictures of what this new earth is going to be like for us. It's something to study. Where are we going? Get that hope, right? Where, what's this next stage of eternity look like? Get your focus off of how, if you're going through some of these pressures, get your focus off these pressures. I mean, how can you not be excited about our eternal hope, our eternal home? A perfectly restored earth, a perfectly restored world in a perfectly restored body. No crying, no weeping, no sorrow, no sadness. We're going to be with our loved ones. We're going, you know, as you read through there, you'll, you'll see glimpses of we will know each other. I mean, when you get to this restored earth on the other side, who are you going to go see? Who do you want to go talk to? What stories do you want to hear from the right people? Talk to Jesus, obviously, right? But other than Jesus, Paul, Peter, James, what about Mary? How about hearing stories about Jesus as a child? Or how she went through all the things that she went through? And how about loved ones that went ahead of you? Loved ones that you've never met before, that did so much for you? Hmm. We're going to be able to live for eternity in our restored bodies, and who knows what that's going to look like, right? You know, how good looking are we going to be, right? You know, so we're going to have fully restored bodies, no sorrow, no crying, fully restored uh, world, covered by a fully restored Jerusalem, in complete peace, in complete love with our Father for all of eternity. How much more hope do we need? Right? So why don't we walk or talk about this eternal, ultimate hope more than we do? There's so much freedom in this. There's so much power in this. We go throughout our days. We all have jobs. Get your diplomas. Get your degrees. Become lawyers. Become doctors. Do all those things. Be a plumber, electrician, whatever it is. Continue doing the things you're doing. 
The difference is you're doing it for the kingdom. When you go to work, talk about God. Talk about the gospel. Don't be ashamed of it. When you're out doing the things that you're doing, when you go to the places that you go, are you speaking about God? Are you living the gospel? Are you living the gospel out? Some of us have left good paying careers and left those things because God called us out of them to go somewhere else to live the gospel out. What is God calling you to do? What are you running away from? Is there something in your life that you're running away from that God's calling you to do? Is God calling you to teach a class? God calling you to become more active in the church? Is God calling you to a ministry outside of the church? What is God calling you to do? Is God simply calling you just to talk to you, just to be with you, come back, worship me? Let's start with that. Man, I don't know about you, but when we get to this eternal earth, eternal world, how great would it be to go run with lions, right? I mean, think about all the animals that will be there. You know, I want to worship next to Moses, stuttering Moses. I want to worship next to him. I want to talk to him about some of the stuff that went down. I want to be surrounded by my family. I want to be surrounded by my family. And how's our family going to be there if we're not the ones leading them? Men, women, it doesn't matter who it is, right? Kids, while the youth in this room, strong youth, can lead their fathers and mothers and cousins to Christ. You want your family to be with you. That's, that's a real pressure for us, right? I want to be surrounded by my family, but more importantly, I can't wait to experience the love of God poured out on me for all of eternity. We can't even imagine what that's going to be like. Pastor Dan and I were talking the other day around the table with family members, and he brought up a good Francis Chan book. And in, in that, he talked about God's love is like the ocean. I think he said this on a tidbit a while back, but God's love is like the ocean, right? And all we can see is about 12 ounces of that water. That's all we can understand. We can't even imagine. We can't even imagine what God's full love poured out on us is going to feel like and be like other than just complete peace and joy and love. I mean, just, we can't even fathom that. I can't even imagine tending a vineyard right now. I mean, when I, when I read that in Isaiah, I was like, oh, man, I get to work. <laughs> you know, so, but we're going to have fun doing all this, right? We're going to know each other. I mean, eternity is going to be, a, it's going to be fun, right? I mean, think about the things that we're reading. Look throughout the Word. This is going to be such peace, and, and, and we should be talking about this more often and sharing this more often. How many people... You know, when, when we talk about eternity and you talk about what eternity is going to be like, and a lot of Christians don't know. We don't know. What, what's, I don't know what we're doing. I think we're singing songs all day. You know, I think we're just going to sing hymn number 121, verses 1, 3, and 4, you know, for the rest of our lives, right? Skip number 2. You know, what, what's that going to be like, right? So, so if you're sitting in this room and you're not sure 
that you're living in this hope? Are, do you have this hope? Is, do you have this ultimate hope? Is it in you? Can you feel it? Can you see it? Do you understand it? But you don't. If you don't have this hope, man, make today the day. What are you waiting for, right? What, make today the day. Stay in your seat. Stay in your seat if you have to. Pray to God. Pray to Jesus. Today's the day. God, forgive me. Come forward. We will pray with you. We want to pray with you. I love praying with people. If you have lost your hope, if you've lost your hope recently, yesterday, whatever, if you've lost your hope and you're in a battle right now, come forward. Come forward when we start singing again. Let us pray with you. Live life with this ultimate hope and expectation and watch your life change for the mission of Jesus. Accept that mission. I promise it's going to be full of adventure. It may not exactly be the adventure that you're thinking, but it will be full of adventure. And all that work and effort that you're giving the world right now without, without ultimate hope in it, change that work so that you are living in God's ultimate hope and that you are surrendered to him. Hmm. Let me pray for you right now. Father, I thank you so much for, for who you are. I thank you for your word. I thank you for, for the, the word that you have given us to study, to read, to research, to fall in love with you again and again and again. Father, you have shown us what this can look like and what this can be. Father, open our hearts up. Take the scales off of our eyes. Soften our hearts to your word. Father, if there are people in this room right now that need prayer, if there are people in this room that need to renew their hope, if there are people in this room that need to come know you for the very first time, Father, strengthen them and bring them forward. Give them courage to stand and come up to the front. Father, we, we love you. Father, I thank you for the ability to be here Father, just Holy Spirit, be with us now. Be with us this week and keep us safe. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you.